Proverbs 27, 17, if you remember last week I talked about how to, how to do the Proverbs and how you can learn them and read them, is if you just pick out the proverb of the day, and like today is what? July the what? So what proverb would you be reading? Proverbs 4, and it's a great one. I read it this morning already. And so if Proverbs 27, 17 is iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And when you look at the context, uh, you know, we th- think about it just like saying, hey, you know, a man sharpens another one, so get with good people and, and all that. But when you look at the context, it could be good and bad. We realize that if you get with somebody who's angry or somebody who's foolish or somebody who's always negative about things, before you know it, it rubs off on you and you're the same way. And you've got to be really careful if you, you get with people. Let, let's talk about this. The old saying was, birds of a feather, what? Flock together. And you've got to be real careful because when you start hanging around with people, you're going to become like them. And uh, I have to tell this story. When I moved, went to the seventh grade, and, and when I was growing up, the, the grades one through six were elementary, and then seven, eight, and nine were junior high, and 10, 11, and 12 were high school. That's what we did in Meridian. And when we, moved, when we went to the seventh grade, we went to the junior high. And, of course, that was big because then we moved to classrooms and everything and different teachers. And this just so happened. There was this guy that was in every class with me. His name was a B as well. So we just think maybe they just, we all connected. So I, we became friends because we were in every class. So one time after school, he, I said, you want to come home with me? And he said, yeah. So my mother picked us up, and we stopped at a little store, and we went in. And then we came back out, got in the car, got to my house. When we got to my house, he pulled out a pack of M&Ms out of his pocket. And I said, whoa, where did you get that? He said, I got it at the store. I said, I didn't see you buy it. He said, I didn't buy it. I went, did you steal it? He went, well, yeah, and they don't care. They don't care. Nobody misses it. So we took him home later that day. And I said to my mama, I said, that guy stole while we were in that store. And she said, you can never play with him again. You can never connect with him because he'll get you in trouble one of these days. One of these, he'll be caught and you'll be with him. And the Bible says, if you hang around with bad people, what's going to happen to you? You're going to get in trouble. You're going to get in trouble. And we're going to see that in the Proverbs. This morning, as we look at Proverbs 1, Solomon says, be careful. Don't join in with people who are doing bad things because what will happen is it'll come back on you. So as we begin, let's think about this. We realize that we can learn a lot of different things. We see that the Psalms and the Proverbs are known as wisdom literature and praise songs, and they help us know how to live in a fallen world. And we said that here's our goal. Our goal is to walk worthy of our calling as children of God, to walk in wisdom. And so for this, just for the summer in these four or five lessons, uh, I just want you to think about wisdom and living wisely and some of the praise songs. And even when we put, the, put them all together, even the praise songs, they all have wisdom in there. They all have the right things. So let's get a quick brief review. If you remember that Proverbs 1.1, it says, The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, the king of Israel. I told you that there are people who dispute who wrote the Proverbs. I don't know how you can dispute that. It says the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, the king of Israel. And, and so it is him, and he is written by Solomon. He is the king of Israel. He was the son of David. And so these are the Proverbs, and they're written by him. And the purpose, of course, was skillful living. How to live skillfully. Skillfully living out the truths of the Bible. That's the, the bottom line, and it's all based on the word of God. If we said to each of us in this room, how, what's the best way to live wisely in our fallen world? We would say what? Live by the 
by the Bible, by the Scripture. I mean, what does the Bible say? What does it say to do? How does the Bible say to live? And, and wisely. And that's why I said to you, if you'll take the Proverbs and every day read whatever proverb it is, tomorrow it'll be the fifth, the next day the sixth, and just read it, you'll, over and over, every month you'll have read all of the Proverbs. And before you know it, you'll start remembering some of the things that it says. The wise man does this, but the foolish man does this. Uh, you know, and so you go over and over and over, and, and before you know it, you know, as one man sharpens an iron, so is another one sharpens. Well, be careful. You get around the guys that's going to steal, you're going to end up stealing or get in trouble. You know? And so bottom line is learn from the Scriptures. And so we want to live skillfully based on the Word of God. We ended last week because we started with verse, basically 1-1, one, one, and went through the verse 7 verses. And it basically, he's basically saying the key is to, to, to learn the Bible, to know the Bible and to make wise uh, choices, to live from the Word of God. He ended with verse 7. Or that's where we ended, but he ended this by saying a contrast. And here was the contrast. There it is. The contrast is, the, first of all, the fear of the Lord. Verse 7, if you notice, it says, uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. If you want to be wise, if you want to know, if you want to know what's right, fear the Lord. The I fear there means to respect and acknowledgement. That's what it is. When people say, I'm a, that used to be a saying, that people say they're a God-fearing person. And that, first of all, sounds sort of bad, like you're afraid God's going to kill you. You know, I'm a God-fearing person. But it actually means awe. And you're, you recognize that God is God, and he controls everything, and he's all-powerful, and he's the greatest of all, and he's unlimited, and he's finite, and he's everything. And so the fear of the Lord is that we go, gosh, he's the greatest there is. And we respect and acknowledge that he's the sovereign ruler of all things. So he says, the fear of the Lord is beginning of knowledge. This is how you know. And then he says the contrast. But a fool despises, counts as nothing, wisdom and instruction. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So a fool is a person that says, you can tell me something from the Bible, but that doesn't mean I'm going to do it. Well, okay, you should do it because that's wise. And, and we know that there are all kind of things. What, what We did this last week in my, my grow group since we just started it. And last week was, uh, you know, we, we just went into my grow group and I opened it up to that what the proverb. And I said, let me read a proverb and y'all, let's read what it says. And we'd read one and we'd say, what does that mean? And all of us in the room would go, well, it means this. It? Right. That's pretty wise. And, yeah. and then we'd read another one, you know. And so it was pretty fun to do that. And uh, it might be fun if you thought about getting with a group of people, taking Proverbs 4, which is today, and say, what does Proverbs 4 tell us? What does it say? Especially the last part. The very last five verses tell you, watch what you say, watch where you go, and watch what you look at. That's what it says. And it says, and guard your heart because that's the wellspring that whatever you're putting in is what's going to come out. That's Proverbs 4 at the very end. So you might want to read that and, and have fun with it. Look at it. See what it does. Well, okay, so let's see what's going on and the rest of the proverb. And we're going to go fast because you look at it, you say, gosh, verse 8 through verse 33, how are we going to get all that? Well, we're, we're going to go fast and kind of put the big ideas together. But we're going to see two things. In verses 8 through 19, he gives some instructions about what you should do, Okay. And then he gives what happens if you reject wisdom. What if you say, I'm not going to go by the Bible. I'm not going to live by the Bible. I'm not going to make wise choices. I'm going to do what I want to do rather than what the Scripture says. Well, what does he say? So let's start with the instructions and Proverbs 1, 8, 8 and 9. Basically, look what he says. Hear, my son, your father's instructions. Do not forsake your mother's teaching. Indeed, there are graceful wreaths to your head and an ornament, uh, uh, ornaments around your neck. And so he says this. He says, first of all, there's two things here. There's to obey 
and to avoid. And he starts with by obeying your parents. Obeying your parents. That's what he really says. Now, a lot of people don't want to obey their parents. A lot of people think they're so much smarter than their parents. It's that old idea that it's when you're 14 years old, your daddy's stupid, and when you get 30, you're amazed how much he learned in that time. It's just, you know, and the bottom line is when you're younger, you, you don't always want to listen to your parents. Under the Jewish culture, here, O Israel, the Lord your God is one God, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul, and then you should teach this to your children when you sit down, when you stand up, when you walk, when you do, and he says basically, you, the parents' instructions are to train up their children in the word of God. That's what it boils down to. He says, listen, listen to your father's instructions and do not forsake your mother's teaching. In other words, listen to what your mom and daddy teach you. They teach you the right things. Ephesians 6, the parents of the role of the father, the role of the mother, they're to teach their children, to train them in the admonition of the Lord. And notice what he says, do not forsake your mother's teaching. And they, they are a graceful wreath to your head. I mean, that's grace. And it's something around your neck. This, this teaching is priceless. You listen to the Father's instruction. This teaching will be like priceless jewels. Now, when you look at this, you can look back and say, thank you, Daddy and Mama, for giving me wise instructions from the Bible. That's a parent's job. I talked to somebody, it's been about four or five years ago, and they said, well, you know, I'm going to be real careful. Now, they, they weren't in our church and they said, I'm going to be real careful because I'm going to let my child look at things and make their own choices. I said, you're, you're going to just give them to the world then because the world is going to be the one influencing them rather than you. You want them to believe like the world or you want them to believe like the Bible? It's your job to teach them the Bible and apply it. Now, he's saying to, the mom, to them, you ought to obey and listen to what your mom and daddy have taught you. Now, we know that some people grew up with families where they weren't taught by their mamas and daddies, but they still have Scripture. So go back to that. That's the key. And he says, indeed, there'll be a graceful wreath around your head. So the first one is to obey. And then the second one is to avoid. To avoid evil. And listen to what he says. Look at verse 10. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. That would just stop right there for just a second. If somebody wants you to do something wrong, don't do it. Do you say, well, people don't ask you to do something wrong. Yeah, they do. Uh, you don't need, you know, I, I'm not going to put that on my income tax. Honey, is that okay? I, I don't think we ought to put that down because if we do, we'll have to pay taxes on it. We'll just tell them we didn't make that money. Okay, honey, that's fine with me. No, it's not fine. People are going to ask you to do things wrong. People are going to maybe, gosh, Maybe it's your job. They ask you to do something that's contrary to, to what's right. And you may have to say, I, I, I can't do that. Why not? Because it's wrong. Yeah, but I'm your boss. I, I can, I'm not going to do that. If you want to let me go, you have to let me go. But I'm not going to do something that's wrong. People are going to entice you to do wrong. They will. It's a fallen world. And they'll use it like this. Everybody does it. This is our culture. This is our world. Don't worry about it. This is so, I mean, the Bible says one thing, but it's outdated anyway. It's just old stuff. I mean, look, we've got a new world and a new culture and a new way to live and a new rights and wrongs. That's what you go face. He says, my son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. Don't do what they said. Look what they're going to say. If they say, come with us, let's lie and wait blood. Let's ambush an innocent without cause. Let's, let's hide and jump out and beat somebody up, steal all their stuff. Let's do that. 
We say, that doesn't happen. Just watch on TV. Just watch those people that jump on us. I, I still watched the other day this little lady. It's been a while, but it was in New York, and she was. they found out she's like 92 years old, and she's got her walker, and she's walking down the street like this, and she's the only one on the street, and a guy comes meeting her, and as he passes her, he turns around and knocks her, and knocks her out, knocks her down, and walks away laughing. That's the world we live in. That's the world we live in. And so there are going to be people who say, look, we can do this, and we can get away with it. If they say, come with us, let's lie and ambush, let's, let's, uh, let's riot and tear out all these stores and steal all this stuff, and they're not going to do nothing about us. And they were right. See? We, come on, let's all go. Everybody's rioting. Everybody's busting the windows out. Police are standing back. They've already told people, let them go. Let's just go get stuff. Everybody's doing it. Isn't that what we saw? People, I've, I've got videos of people going into stores, bringing out clothes and running away, all happy. They're stealing, and they know it's wrong. And because they've been enticed to do it by everybody else. Verse 12, let's, let's swallow them alive like Sheol, as, as hold that gold in the, let's kill them. We'll find all kind of precious wealth. We'll fill our house with spoil. I mean, we'll do, why are we going to do this? Because we can get stuff for ourselves. That's why we do it, so we can get stuff for ourselves. Throw in your lot with us, and we will have one purse. In other words, let's go do something wrong. Let's go do it. Let's go jump on somebody. Let's either kill them. Let's, get, let's beat them up. Let's get their stuff. And then we come back, and we got one purse, and we'll go one for you, and one for you, and one for you, and one for me. We'll do that. We'll, we'll have a common purse. We'll do it. We'll steal it. But there's a warning. Because you know what? You don't get away with doing wrong. Be not deceived. God is not mine. Whatever man sows, he also what? Reaps. You don't get away with doing wrong. You may look like you're getting away with doing wrong, but you don't. Here's the warning. Verses 15 and 16, look what he says. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your feet from their path. Stay off that path. Do not do what they do. He says, for their feet run to evil, and they hasten to shed blood. They're going to kill people, and you don't want to be a part of that. They're evil. They're evil. Let me tell you how important death was. See, our, our culture doesn't treat death as anything. I mean, how many people died this weekend in Chicago? Hmm? How many? 30, 40 were shot and killed? Maybe more than that? Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Nobody cares how many babies were killed in the womb. Nobody cares. You know how they cared in Israel? If they... If you, you were walking out in a field and you found somebody dead, you went, oh my gracious, this person's dead. You went back to the elders of your city and you said, there's a dead person out in the field. And they went, really? And the elders would come and they would get elders from the other cities. And then they would mark off what city was the closest to the person who had died in distance. And the one that was the closest took it back and offered sacrifices and said, we're sad, Lord. We don't know who shed this innocent blood. <clears throat> we kill everything. Nobody thinks about it. <clears throat> so what does he say? Their feet run, run to evil. They hasten to shed blood. But there is some results. And you know what the results is? What did we say a while ago? What is it? It's sowing and reaping, right? Reaping and sowing. It's sowing and reaping. It's right there. Look what it says. Indeed, it is useless to spread the rated net 
in the sight of any bird, for they lie, watch this, they lie in wait for their own blood and they ambush their own lives. It's going to come back on them. It's going to come back on them. They'll end up killing themselves. They end up dying over it. You know, sometimes these people do wrong and they get caught and get put to death for it. Sometimes they get themselves killed running away from the police. Sometimes they get themselves killed when they're fighting the police because they've done wrong and the police have come after them. He says, don't get with them because ultimately they're going to die because of their actions. They're going to die because of their actions. In his conclusion, in verse 19, so are the ways of everyone who gains by violence. If you gain something by killing somebody or hurting somebody, it takes away the life of its possessors. It, you'll end up killing you. Sowing and reaping is true. You go after people, you hurt people, you steal, you lie, you cheat, you harm. It's going to come back on you. It's going to come back on you. So wisdom says what? Don't what? Don't get involved with that sort of thing. Don't do wrong. Don't get with people who are doing wrong. Don't let somebody entice you to do something wrong. And boy, we see it with, with all these actions and all these rights and all this stuff. People, there are people in there uh, that not even sure why they're there. They said they just, somebody told them that they're going to be robbing stuff and they can get stuff. Am I, is that right or wrong? That's right. So don't get involved with that stuff. Now, wisdom calls out. And let's talk about what wisdom... Wisdom gives a warning. And it, the word, wis, warning of wisdom is don't reject wisdom. <laughs> I mean, it's true. I mean, we've been saying we ought to be wise people. And so wisdom says don't, don't reject wisdom. So the first thing we see is that wisdom calls out. Look at verse 20. Wisdom shouts in the street. She lifts up her voice in the square. At the head of the noisy street, she cries out. At the entrance of the gates of the city, she utters her sayings. Now... It's an analogy because when you'd come back in those days, you'd come into a town and usually there was a main gate of a city. And when you walked in the main gate, at the main gate were some places that were actually legal things. If you had legal business to handle, it was usually some elders of people were at the gate of the city. It says here that wisdom shouts in the street. She's saying, they're using it that way, she's lifting up her voice, she's crying out in the noisy streets, she's saying things at the entrance of the gates of the city. She utters her saying, she's shouting it out. And so they're using wisdom as a woman calling out and saying uh, what to do, what to do. And, and, verse, and so in 21, she's at the noisy streets. And uh, the trouble is nobody listening. Nobody's listening. I read this story uh, where this little boy was looking at this painting. It's a painting where Jesus is standing at the, at the door. Have you ever seen the painting where it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and whoever will open the door, I'll come in and fellowship with them. That's, it's not a salvation. It's from Revelation 3.20, and it's not a salvation passage. It has to deal with, with fellowship passage. And it, but if, if you look at the painting carefully, Jesus is standing there knocking at the door, and there's no handle on the door. So Jesus can't open the door. It's got to be open from the inside. That's what, and so the, it says this little boy was looking at the painting and, and he said to his daddy, why don't they let Jesus in? And dad said, I don't know. And the little boy said, maybe they're making too much noise to hear him. And the bottom line is, what does she say here? She says, she calls out at the head of the noisy streets. And here's what does she say? What did she say? 
How long, O naive ones, will you love being simple-minded and scoffers delight themselves in scoffing and fools hate knowledge? She's saying, how long are you going to reject me? Wisdom cries out, how long are you going to follow the ways of the world rather than following God's wisdom? How long are you going to keep living like one who doesn't know God who's going to miss the truth? And then here's what, what she says. She says, how long, how long, how long? And then in verse 24, she, uh, verse 23, turn to my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit on you. I'll make my words known to you. Come to me and you can get what's right. You can get the truth. But what happens? But you refused. What happens when people don't live wisely? What happens when they reject it? He says uh, in verse 25, no, verse 24, because I called you, you refused. I stretched out my hand and no one paid attention. You neglected all my counsel. You did not want my reproof. He says, I called out to you and you missed it. Have you ever rejected scripture? Well, every time we sin, we do. I mean, let's face it that way. Whenever we sin, we But, I mean, there are sometimes people say, well, I know the Bible said not do that, but I did that. I've had people say to me, I know the Bible says not to do that, but I'm still going to do it because I think that's what's better for me and it'll make me happy. I said, it's not going to make you happy. I mean, when you violate scripture, you're not going to be happy. So look what happens. What happens when we reject wisdom? He says, I counseled. I counseled you and you, re- you re- neglected my counsel. You didn't want my reproof. So what's going to happen? Wisdom laughs at the calamity. When it comes upon you and your wise, unwise choices come back on you because you're reaping what you what? Are you sowing what you know? You reap what you sow. What's going to happen? Look what he says. I will laugh at your calamity and I will mock when your dread comes. Now, all the wisdom is saying is, I told you so. I told you what was right, and you didn't do what was right. It's like the guy who, back earlier, jumps in with the people, helps rob somebody, steals something, they get caught, and he gets put in jail. And he says, I don't want to be in jail. And wisdom says, I told you. I told you not to do it. You knew what was wise and what wasn't. And so wisdom says, I'm going to laugh at your calamity, meaning it's just past you. It's past you. Verse 28. Uh, no, verse 27. When, the, when your dread comes like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then you will call on me, but I won't answer. They will seek me diligently. will finally look, but, but it's too late then. Why? It's too late to stop the consequences. It's like saying, well, now I know that robbing somebody was wrong, so I don't want to go to jail because I realize it's wrong. It's too late. It's too late. Calamity looks at him and goes, you're an idiot. That's what you are. Well, let's face it. You're foolish. You're foolish if you don't live by the scripture. Is this too late? And then uh, I'll, they'll call on me. They'll say, oh, Lord, help me. Oh, help me, wisdom. Oh, help me. And I'll, they won't find me because it's too late. I, I've already given them the counsel and they've already done the wrong stuff and now it's coming back on them. And then look what he says in verse 29. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. Remember what does it say back earlier? The, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of, of, of knowledge and wisdom. I mean, that's it. They hated it. They chose not that. They rejected it. They rejected the Lord. In verse 30, they would not accept my counsel. They spurred my reproof. They rejected the Lord. They did not choose the fear of the Lord. They rejected God's word. That, that's the whole reaping and sowing. I mean, let's face it, y'all. If we live by the Bible, there's going to be blessed in things. If we live contrary to the Scripture and live in, it's going to come back on us. It always does. 
That's why even when somebody does you wrong and you forgive them and you say something like, ah, they did me wrong and they're going to get away with it. They're not going to get away with it. The reaping and sowing is there. God deals with that sort of stuff. Vengeance belongs to the Lord. So he says, they would not accept my counsel. They spurned all my reproof. And so then what does he say? So they will eat of the fruit of their own way and be satiated with their own devices. They, they will reap what they sow. They'll put him, get out what you put in. How many people are in prison that say, yeah, I know. I didn't, I didn't make some wise choices, right? No, you did some things wrong and you knew they were wrong. You just didn't think you'd get caught. But you will. So they'll eat the fruit. This is the reaping and the sowing. And then he ends this part, and let's end it with the contrast. Verse 32, For the waywardness of the naive will kill them, and the complacency of the fools will destroy them. When you reject the truth, there's death and destruction. Always. Because the wages of sin is what? It's death. It's always death. Sometimes it's just spiritual separation from God. Sometimes it's out of fellowship with God. Sometimes it's physical death. And but look at the other side. But, look at the contrast. Whenever you see a but, look in there and say, okay, what's the, what is it? What's the contrast? On one side, the waywardness of the, it will kill them. But he who listens to me, to wisdom, shall live securely and will be at ease from the dread of evil. When you do what's right, you don't have to be afraid something bad is going to happen to you because you did something wrong. When you accept the word of God, there's safety and security. Safety and Security. When you reject the word, there's destruction and death. When you live by the word, there's safety and security. Um, the foolish person rejects the Bible, there's discipline and death. The wise person obeys the Bible, there's blessing and security in life. I mean, if you just take nothing more than Proverbs 1, should we live by the Bible? Of course, it's the wisest thing to do. It's God's wisdom given to us, and he says, I want you to have a great life. I want you to live in security and blessings and life, and I want you to obey the Bible because that's what's best for you. But if you go and you reject it as a foolish person, there'll be discipline and death, and there'll be consequences and everything else. And you can say, oh, what a terrible life. Well, it's your fault. The problem is people don't want to take any accountability for their actions. They make unwise choices, and then they say, I'm a victim. They're not a victim. They made choices which brought this on their lives. And we got, a, we, got a, we got a whole world full of victims. Christians, we're not victims. When we sin, I say we sin and we did it, and we confess it, and he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. So let's live wisely, not foolishly. Let's do it. Let's know and apply the Bible. That's wisdom and life. If we reject it, that's foolishness and death. And so what does wisdom do? Wisdom calls out. What is the goal of the mom and the daddy? to teach your children the wisdom of the Bible and the truths of the Bible so they can live that out. And that's why he says, obey, hear your father's instructions, and do not forsake your mother's teachings. And as a mom and a daddy or a grandmom and a granddaddy or whatever, wherever we are, we have the responsibility to do everything we can to bring these children up. And that's why when we have baby dedications, when they line up there, we call them baby dedications, but it's really mom and daddy dedications. It's mom and daddy saying publicly, we'll do everything we can to bring these children up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. Here's the second one, avoid evil. 
Do I have to say anything else? <laughs> Avoid evil. Stay away from people who will do wrong and bring you in there and you'll end up in trouble and it could cost you your life. And then last, realize we, we reap what we sow. Whatever we put in, we get out. If we live wisely, there'll be, we'll, we'll have wisdom and graciousness and all that good stuff. And if we live unwisely, it won't. If we reject God's word, we're foolish. There's sin, we do wrong, there's discipline, judgment, and death. If we believe God's word, we live wisely, there's blessings, reward, and life. Wow. So how do we feel about all this? (laughs) That's a lot in one little thing, isn't it? I mean, so the bottom line is, guess what? We should know the Bible, and we should live by the Bible. And when we do that, there'll be blessings in our lives. If we choose not to do that, and we go contrary to the Scripture, we can expect discipline and problems Because whatever you put in, you get out.